Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Hi everyone, this is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ in memory of my sister Marsha Joyce, and this is going to be so cool. We have my favorite authors in the universe here. We have Dick Belsky, Charles Salzberg, Vincent Zandri, and Bruce Coffin. And we're going to talk about whatever we want to talk about. <laughs> I have no clue. Um, I, I was, I'm up since 10 o'clock for whatever reason, and I sat down with my questions, and I'm saying, this is really interesting. And, Charles, thank you for sending Patrick more. I am reading 27 days now. Yeah, and that's what started me. That's what started me off on the questions for today. Um, when you have an, a character in your book that's a PI or a detective or anybody, and they decide to break the law, how, how do they get away with it? There's Bruno. There's uh, Bruno on uh, David Putnam's book. There's Rick Cahill. Um, there's your Peter Fortunato. And there's Corey Douglas, and there's Andy Parker. How do you deal with? How do you create a character that that just it goes rogue and does whatever the heck he wants? That that that's part of my question. That's my first question. How do you do that? And Vincent, you're the king of doing that. I know that with Moonlight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Charlie, is that for you? That question? No, no, for you, Vince. Well, anybody that oh, wants oh, to answer it, go right ahead. Oh, I'm, right. I'm going to get to the to the real crux of this in a few minutes, but I thought this was like, I, I'm reading the book at 2 o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep again, and I said, well, wait a minute. This guy, Nick Crane, is really unreal. I mean, he does everything he wants, and then he actually meets the person that is against him, and I wanted him to clunker over the head a little harder with the champagne bottle. Seriously. Uh, go for it, Vince. Yeah. Well, I mean... You know, we're not writing true crime, so there's that. I know. And, and, and we're not um, – Belsky, I know you write true crime, but um, – partly. But, um, <laughs> you know, and we're not writing uh, – I'm not writing police procedural either, not by a long shot. In fact, uh, my best friend and sometimes girlfriend, you know, reads my books, and she's <laughs> like, oh, my God, this this is insanely ridiculous. I can't even – you know, and I'm um, – and I just had an editor of mine – come back with notes and they're like, wow, what a bunch of bullshit this is, but it's really good, <laughs> you know, you know, um, because I don't think I, I, I know I wouldn't read like Charlie or Dick or any of those guys or uh, unless the PIs were going to break the rules and stuff like that. And, and I've always said like, there's, 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 the, there's, there's right in terms of the law and there's right in terms of God. And oftentimes you have to just break the law to do what's right. And so that, that's, that's the, my, my PI, all my PI's code. I'm gonna, yeah, I had that surgery, so I'm going to be a little quieter today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Dick Belsky here. Um, yeah, I think all of us, on very, you know, to various degrees, you know, our characters, uh, you know, break the law. Uh, maybe sometimes not as much as, as Charles and Vincent, certainly in, in minor bruises, but, uh, but you certainly push the boundaries because, uh, you know, the bottom line is if, if everybody just followed the law and did what they were supposed to do, it would be damn boring. And uh, so, you know, my reporter, you know, my reporter will steal something from a crime scene or something. People say, well, do, do reporters really do that? I mean, the answer is yes, but, but, uh, but mine kind of, uh, kind of uh, pushed the envelope. One of my favorite lines from one of my favorite shows always from the Rockford Files, and somebody asked Rockford, uh, is that legal for you to do that? And his response is, on my best day, I'm barely legal. And that's kind of, I think, the way I approach my character. And, and to various degrees, right. we, all, we all do. Well, also, uh, when was the last time you guys jaywalked? Never. <laughs> we, we, break, we break the law all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. 
All the time. So how do they have a lawyer that they pay, and the lawyer helps them break the law? I really wish that, you know, more people would have people like that, too. They, I mean, I'm sitting here reading this, and this guy's got a lawyer. She's got a lawyer, and he's got a lawyer. And, I mean, how, how does the lawyer get away with breaking the law? That is so cool, really. Some of them don't, don't is the answer. I know that that's a tough one. So here, this is what we were going to originally speak about. It's right in front of me. Um, originally, Philip Margolin was supposed to be here. Unfortunately, he's not. So he, we were talking about different uh, people like Agatha Christie, Ellery Queen, Robert Louis Stevenson, Perot, who's my favorite, and some other contemporary writers. When you create your writing, do you marry it after any specific uh, famous writer, or do you just create your own style? and create your mode of solving the crime. Because he says he goes a little towards Agatha Christie, which I see well, when well, he's I think, writing. Uh, uh, I'll start out. I think in the beginning when you start to write, you emulate the writers that you, that you admire, and um, after a while it becomes your own. Uh, and so I don't think anyone, anyone I know of consciously tries to emulate any other writer. Um, you know, I, 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 I just think if you write long enough, you you, um, you get your own style. But it, it obviously has to start from something, um, yeah. you know, or for someone. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, everything Charlie just said, uh, I, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's the same way I feel. But I, I'd go a little further even in that I sometimes go out of my way not to emulate anyone because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're reading a lot of Raymond Chandler or, you know, Michael Conley or somebody and then you start writing a book, you don't want it to sound like that. You want to you want to draw from it, from some kind of inspiration. Right. Mm-hmm. But I always worry sometimes, like, you know, like, well, no, I want to keep my own voice. And one of the greatest compliments as a writer that you can have, and I've gotten this, and I, I imagine the, the other, you, you, all the others here have too, is people have said to me, you know, when I read your books, I hear your voice. Your characters mm-hmm. sound like you. And uh, that's really important to me, and I think it is to all of us, which is that you you write like yourself. You have a unique sound, even though it began with an inspiration by reading one of the other great writers. Well, uh, is that your voice that comes through with all those characters in Moonlight? Yeah, I mean, when I started out, I mean, I started out really young, and I wanted to be Spencer, you know. I wanted to be Robert B. Parker, so, like, there's a lot of Robert B. Parker in my first book, for sure. Um, But then now it's it's all shades, you know, it's like seven or eight shades of Vince Sandry, you know. Um, For instance, Young Chase, the, the newest Young Chase Baker came out, and it takes place in 1979, and it's, like, totally me. You know that that character is me. You know, and it's, oh, it's my voice and 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 uh, all the adventures and all that sort of stuff. And more present, more contemporary, like the Dick Moonlight character has definitely got a lot of me in it. Um, only he's a whack job, you know. And hopefully, I'm not a whack job, you know. And uh, you know, and 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 um, all of them have a little bit of me in them. And I kind of wish I was. You know, some of them, but uh, it's kind of like what Dick said. You know, like it, it's it's it is my voice coming out only on steroids, sort of. If that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 different. I'll tell you that. I, I don't know when I when I read Bruce, you know, <coughs> when I read yours, yours is different than everybody else because you're writing it from the point of view of a police officer, right? So that's different. Right. Yeah. And there's going to be, whether I intend to or not, I think uh, there's a lot of John, there's a lot of me and John, especially when it's pertaining to the inner dialogue, you know, the close personal thoughts that he's having. Um, But, I I mean, I I don't think any of us, like, I I agree with these guys. I don't think anybody really sets out to try and be any other writer, uh, especially if it's somebody who's, uh, who's really popular already. You're not going to, you're probably not going to be able to do better than what they're doing. Uh, yourself and I, I feel like it's really right. it's hard enough what we do. I think to not worry about what you sound like. I think we all have to find our own voice and write that voice. I think that just comes out automatic. Um, it would be very difficult to try to emulate. I think another writer's voice. That's mm. the one thing that they can't teach. Uh, you know, you can right. learn a lot of things about the proper way to to write, but 
entertainment when you when you hit it right, I think the the reader makes a decision on whether or not it's any good. No, I, you know, I, agree I just with wanted you. to say that I I just wanted to say that um, mm-hmm. I mean I think Bruce is 100 percent right in that none of us kind of willingly will emulate another writer. It would, most people don't do that. Um, I think the danger for some people, including me at times, is that you don't want to um, inadvertently emulate somebody. Like if you're reading something, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll name drop a little here because I always thought this was a really interesting conversation. I once mm-hmm. had a chance to talk to the late great Sue Grafton. And she told me, it was at one of the conferences we all go to, and she said that uh, she never reads books while she's, like, in the process of actually writing her own. She, like, you know, obviously we all read, but she's always afraid that the book she's reading, that she will pick up the style and sound of it in her own book. And, you know, this came about because I'd asked her to do an author blurb for me, and she said, and I, you know, I, I always love the line. She said, if I read your book while I was doing my book, my book would sound like a Belsky. Well, I don't think it really would. It would sound like Sue Grafton. But I understood what she was saying. And I know sometimes, like, if I'm reading, if you're reading a series of Chandler's, you've got to make sure that, um, you know, that your book doesn't, inadvertently sort of sound a little too, you know, Raymond Chandler-like. Um, and sometimes you don't even, you, you don't do it intentionally, but right. it's in your head. It's in your head. I'll add to that, Dick, because I, I do not read uh, fiction while I'm writing fiction yes. usually. But the thing is, th- there's the other side of that, too, is if I'm reading fiction and it's good, I'll get so depressed and think I can never write as good as this. You know? So, <laughs> I know, so there I know the feeling. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, there are two reasons not to to write. You know, to read fiction while you're writing. One is right. that picking up the style, and the other is, oh man, you know, what what am I doing? This 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 writer's so much better. Well, oh, no. you know, the the answer to that for me, Charles, because I I've had the exact same reaction, and mm-hmm. you know, with a few writers that you and I both know, and I'll read it and I'll think, oh my God, you know, I can't I can't do that is then I think about, well, what can I do? You know, like, okay, I Mm -hmm. I create good character. I can write good dialogue. But I can't write, you know, I can't write the kind of descriptive phrase that somebody will, you know, Mm. somebody could do a thing on the sunset that I'm like, I could never, I just can't do that. Um, So I try and focus on what it is that I uh, can do. But I have, you know, I have the same reaction, Charles. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, it's just like life. I mean, what are you better off, being yourself or trying to be mm-hmm. someone else? If you try to be exactly. someone else in real life, people are going to see it right away. So, so right. what's the point? So you might as well um, just develop your own style. And I think it happens naturally for most writers is, is they, they learn, they take in, and then they, you know, they, when they spit it out, it comes out a little different, hopefully. And, and I'll take that one further, even then, uh, Charles. Like, why do we all write? I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. not really because of the money. I mean, you know, there are probably a lot better ways to make money than That's writing sure, mystery yeah. fiction. Uh, oh, for me, it's the money. For want... me, it's completely the money. Well, yeah, but they, <laughs> that's just because you never stop writing. But, uh, but uh, yeah, right. uh, the reason most of us write, the reason I write, is because you want to get yourself, your personality, your your feelings, your words out there to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you love it when people are reading your books and, you know, and what you're saying. So, like, yeah, like what, what Charles said is, like, you want them to be reading you. You don't want them to be reading somebody that you've channeled through yourself. Yeah, well, you want, you want them to hear your voice. And yeah. I'm terrible at dialogue, so I could write, you know, like a scene or something, and I usually write it from the dead person's point of view so they can't criticize me. Because they don't really know the voice of the person that I'm writing about. But when you create right. your main character, um, you don't get somebody that says, oh, I'm reading three books at one time. I won't tell you who they are. And they all got private investigators, but one is kind of like someone that was captured in order to get him to do something that a law enforcement person said if he doesn't do it, he's going to wind up dead. I mean, how, how do you write something like that? I mean, seriously. In other words, the President of the United States said that if he doesn't do this, he's going to wind up dead. Um, This this other one says, if if you don't um, find find this guy, if you don't turn yourself in, we're going to kill your friend. How do you create a character like that? They're all the same. And after a while, I go like, help. And these are famous people, so I won't say who they are, but yeah. How do you create a, a unique character like that, that, you know, that's a PI or a police officer, and it doesn't wind up 
having to do something that's against the law like that. Mm. <laughs> this is I what can... I go through daily reading. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're, they're good books, but I said like all the PIs are the same. Yeah, but but Fran, if, if you read if if you read like that, it's like it's like seeing yeah. a meal in front of you, like of sausages, and starting to wonder how do they yeah, how do they make that sausage? Right? So <laughs> yeah. you know, you're taking right. all the joy out of reading when you're doing that. You know, if if, if know, the writer is good. If a writer is good, you will believe anything that they write if they're really good, if they're convincing. So, you know, I, I, that's the way I feel about this is, is you know, it, it's it's up to the skill of the writer to make it work. Yeah, well, one of them I does work, and the other one, it's like I've read a lot of his books, and I hate it. You know, it's like the same character, just a different plot. And yeah, after I a think, while, I you think, get stale. Right. I think one of the keys is, I mean, for me anyway, is by not plotting and by not planning out and not having a blueprint, just writing completely into the dark. Yeah. Um, almost like I'm reading a book. I don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. I just have no idea. And um, it just sort of – and I surprise myself. And, and every day when I wake up, I have this, like, sinking feeling in my stomach, like, Am I going to be able to continue the story today? Because I have mm. – I'm, 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 I'm going into this, with, you know, I'm parachuting almost without a shoot. Um, and I sit down with my coffee and I start in on it. And, and it, you know, the, the muse hasn't failed me yet. Um, and, you know, and, and hopefully by me being surprised and pleased and having fun, you know, the reader's going to be like, okay, this is original, and this, this, you know, I didn't see this coming, I didn't see that coming, and this isn't your basic boilerplate plot that you see from the books on the table at the Barnes and Nobles, and mm-hmm. you know, because the because the publisher's paying for the space and all that sort of garbage. Um, that's for another show, though. But uh, that's that's how, <laughs> anyway. That's that, that that that's my philosophy anyway, writing philosophy. But it, but I, I don't know that. about you boys. But but Bruce, all you guys, do you wake up with that sinking feeling? Like, am I going to be able to continue today? Yeah, and and you're right. It is absolutely. If you if it's one of those where you really haven't worked out much of a plot line, you know, you usually I try to know just the basics where I want to open, where I want to go right. to, and then I really right. have no idea. Uh, you know, maybe a couple thoughts, but no idea how to get there, and uh, right. I just go along for the ride. And I, you know, it really generally reveals itself. Not always, but it generally reveals itself. And I think that is one of the things that keeps us going back to the keyboard is because we want to know what happens, and it's entertaining that's, that's for us so as writers to, to be on that journey. Yeah. You know, right? Do you ever you know, just Bruce, sit down the... and just write and not think about it, and just the words just come out? Yeah. You know, yeah. Just... Well, when things when yeah, things the work well, they do. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, yeah. I find when I do that, it, the same thing like Bruce said in the morning. You'll get up and you don't really have something, and uh, uh, you know, I force myself to sit down and write something. And most of the time, you can. I find you surprise yourself. You know, like yeah. maybe it isn't great, but it's got something there. It's got elements, and it gets you. It gets you because otherwise, if you don't do that then every day you just don't write anything, you know. Uh, and the other thing right. that I find that works, because I'm a morning writer, like a lot of people I get up or write in the morning, um, if I spend the rest of the day, like, kind of thinking about it, um, a lot of times I'll have worked something out in my, you know, just wandering around doing stuff. And so by morning I have some idea of what, you know, of what I want to, where I want to go next. But not always, but the, the real key is what Bruce said. It's like... You just sit down there and see where the character. Sometimes the character can can almost take you places that you don't know. It's like surprising, you know. Right. You'll be like, "Oh, my yeah, character's right. going to do this," you know, and that's right. good. Yep. yep. That, that is that is interesting because you just sit down and all of a sudden Claire might tell you what she wants you to do. Or um, Charles, your your character. You know, are you going to bring Charles Fortunato back, Peter Fortunato back? There are no plans. I'm doing a different kind of book now. Um, so there are no plans, yeah, but I never say no. I like that <laughs> if one. If I thought he, of a good he, story for him, I might. But it wasn't planned as a series. Oh, okay. But this one, the one that you're going to sending me, One Man Runs? Man on the Run? Man on the Run. Man on the Run. Man on the Run. That's, on the run. that's, that's coming next. <laughs> Hopefully right, the post office. Has, uh, 
Right, and that and has a character what? from Second Story Man in it, actually two of them. Mm. Oh, that, that's good. Then that, that's even better. But there's a whole kind of, like, different kind of writing. And considering I read just a couple of books a week, maybe ten, if I'm in a good mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I wonder sometimes, and yeah, and I do understand what what people are writing. Sometimes I really don't want to, but I do. <laughs> when when you do a book about um, history, do you something? Is there ever a time when you have to? And because I do uh, fiction, historical fiction, like I did the other day, and I fact checked the the author's whole book, and it was perfect. But that's beside the point. Do you ever have to fact check some of the things that you do, that you write about? And sometimes I'm, I'm reading the book and I'm going like, why did he write this? Or do you write in first person? Fran, if I'm you don't, you can be sure that some reader's going to. So you yep. better. <laughs> yeah, you guys fact checked everything. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Which do you find more more um, difficult, narrative writing <laughs> or descriptive writing? Or does anybody write? With persuasive writing, were you trying to convince the convince the, uh, the reader to believe your point of view? I tried that, but it doesn't work. Mm. I don't like All doing that. I feel like that gets preachy real quick if yeah. you start doing that. You know, I think it's better to have every character have their own kind of thing that they're carrying, their own point of view, and whatever. It's really easy to get preachy, and I, I don't like to. I like the subtlety of, of the writing, and not not about that so much. Yeah, besides, you know, that's, that's called inter- propaganda. Yeah, it's an interesting topic because right. I've I've read a couple books uh, by some pretty actually by some pretty prominent writers who I like, but I get turned off when they start preaching to me like politics and stuff, and they suddenly yeah. get into you know their views on and it, I mean it might even be my views, but uh, I I it's when you're when you're in a fictional world. It's like you're in this little world. It, it's kind of like we've talked in the past about uh, writing about COVID. I'm one of those people that I don't write about COVID because in my oh, fictional God. world, it doesn't exist. I know people that do. They well, know it's part of everything that goes on, uh, but I don't. I don't like. I don't like preachiness, and I and I and I don't like a lot of real life things intruding on the fiction. At least you know when I'm writing it. I'd agree with that too. Same the same thing. I, I'm actually I'm, I'm, I'm actually sli- slightly different um, because <laughs> it's something like, something like COVID. I might you know mention it's just a mere mention because it's it's part of um, you know it's now part of the culture and all that sort of stuff. But like I did a full story mm. called Domestic Dispute on and it was a short thriller. I, I don't think it's eight thousand words, eight or ten thousand words. But I did it. I did it a whole short thriller called Domestic. Um, domestic dispute in in which the uh, and uh, uh, Bruce you'll 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 back this up. One of the worst things a cop can can one of the most dangerous situations a cop can ever encounter is a domestic dispute. Mm. And when they 100%. started talking about 100%, and when they started talking about replacing cops with social workers, I'm like, oh, there's a story there. And so the whole thing starts out. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's really a top cop who has to answer this domestic dispute because they don't have enough cops on the force to handle it. And so he's drinking on the job. And the first thing he does is when he goes to the projects, he meets up with the social worker and she's like, I smell alcohol on your breath. And he's like, believe me, by the end of this, you're going to be drinking too. And so like, so in that sense, in that sense, and I think it's one of my finest stories, but that's me patting myself on the back. But to me, I, I look at something like that, and I'm like, I can't. It's not preachy, but I can't ignore that. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, know, and, and I, 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 I have a friend, a good friend, a good who, was a, who was a social worker until he was 50, and then he became a cop. And, and uh, when, when he and, and when he was, uh, you know, they used to call his partners would call him grandpa. But then they, he would do that. He was so much of a, a social worker at heart. He'd catch someone and start to talk to them and, you know, and, and right. figure out why they did it. And his partner would oh, say, hey, Mark, you're not a social worker anymore. You're a cop. Um, right. So. Right. Do you, Interesting. Do you, find that, do you have characters? This is what drives me crazy. 
in public and, you know, in real life. And I'm glad that people sometimes do it in their books, too. When you have a character that's older, out of, you know, out of nowhere, 40s, 50s, that's, that to me, that's old. No, I don't even deal with that. <laughs> I hate, and I'm serious, <laughs> I hate when people talk to them as if they're 105. Does anybody, you don't do that in your in your writing because I, I walked in to get something done yesterday and I don't, they asked me my date of birth, I said it failed, I failed to remember that, don't worry about it, they, they didn't even bother to ask. And they and the doctor comes in and he actually talked to me like I wasn't 107, but sometimes they talk, people talk to you when you're writing, well how did you know how to write that because you know, how would you know how to do that? And that gets me a lot. Do people judge people by how old they are or how long they've been writing and feel, oh, after a while you can't do it anymore? That's what drives me crazy. I can't stand I that. Think, uh, I think I actually think uh, age discrimination is a, is a big deal. Um, yeah. I, I, and yeah, I'm very too. aware of it. And uh, yep. it's a, actually it's even worse, as, as, yeah. as I'm sure you, people here know, it's even worse in, like, screenwriting, script writing. I mean, where, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's sure. 24 years old. But uh, right. even in uh, even in uh, even with us, uh, I'm very aware of it. I don't, you know, I don't broadcast, you know, how old I am, and uh, uh, I, I think it's a problem. I mean, I mean, it's 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 it shouldn't be, but uh, but it is, and it's all relative. Like in my books, my character is approaching fifty. But, you know, I have incidents where, you know, her, the people that work for her who are 23, are ref, you know, treat her kind of like she's an old lady, um, even mm-hmm. though, you know, 50 isn't very old for most of us these days. But um, but I think in the real life, uh, I'm, I'm always very aware of how old I am, and all of us are sort of, you know, in that age bracket where I think I think it matters, and um, you, you just have to deal with that. It, it does because I get it from well, well I'm telling you how many the distance between myself and my brother who thinks that my mind is gone and he wishes his mind was like mine not gone and yeah they they automatically you know call you oh do you know how to do this well if I didn't tell you how to do it you probably would have screwed it up to start with that's what I'm saying and it bothers me because sometimes in writing I notice that they talk to older people or in the hospital, or they talk as if they don't understand what they're saying. It drives me crazy. I can't stand that. You're right. Age discrimination, and the other thing is medical discrimination, too. The same thing, you know, with this COVID thing. So my my other question is, um, how, do you, how do you change people's mindsets about writing? How do you change them to understand that you're writing to send them? Sometimes it's to send a message. Sometimes I find a message that the author doesn't know is even there. And I just find it. Um, there's objective writing, there's narrative writing, there's persuasive writing. But did you write in, in the first person, right, for Claire? Most yeah, of the time? yeah, yeah. But yeah, always. I, I mean, again, I've I've talked about this. Uh, I I seem to write easier or better in the first person, and every time I've written in the third person, and I've never sold those books. I've always sold books in the first person but but i mean get to getting back to what you just said about trying to change people's viewpoints i mean i don't i don't do that i don't care i'm not trying to change anybody's viewpoint i'm i'm just mm-hmm. writing a book and and uh, you know you hope that people will get something out of the book uh, that they'll get obviously entertainment but but maybe they'll get some message out of it too cuz you know we all put more message about being moral and stuff in our most of us in our books are immoral <laughs> depending on the book and um <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't set out to like change somebody's mind about somebody or 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 mm-hmm. instruct them on something. Um, I just I'm just writing a book, and they can they can take from it whatever they want. Well, if you did, Dick, you you're setting yourself up for failure. So mm-hmm. so you right. know you're not going to change anyone's mind, and if you do, you're not going to know about it anyway. So you just write what you want to write. You know, exactly. so I, right. I think anyone who goes in with agendas is is just is setting themselves up for failures. That's, that's true. So what happens sometimes when I had an author the other day, and I won't tell you, a very famous person, we were talking, and the author said that he wrote the book, and then the editor told him something, and he had to write the book over from the beginning. Do you do that? I mean, he literally wrote it over. He said he wrote it over. He had to write the whole book over because the editor didn't like um, something in the middle and the ending that he wrote. I would have told him to so, go, you know, what himself. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, that I normally that he happens. He would have said that. He so. said he wrote it over. I go like, 
I have enough trouble writing the first draft, and I don't read it after that. I hand it to my editor and go fix it. But Leave th- me alone. But this was this was Brand. This was somebody famous. This was a prominent author. Yes, I won't say who. Yeah, prominent that's, author. That's very that's very hard to you know that's very hard to yeah to to take you know because normally they wouldn't do that yeah. and even less so with someone who you know who has a track record so. Yeah, I know it's 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 scary that they that they did that. I know that. Um, well, I've got a, I've got a story about that, Fran. Is years ago good. I was doing an essay for the New York Times on how writers felt when they finished a book, and so mm-hmm. I got to call all these writers that I admired, and one of them was uh, a writer by the name of William Gass, who wrote a book called In the Heart of the Heart of the Country, and he told sure. me this story. This was before he was a college professor, he was teaching in college, and it was before computers, and it was before you know whatever. In it, so that if you wrote and you wanted a copy of your manuscript you had a carb in it and so right. he didn't he, he finished his novel and he put it in a desk drawer he did not have a copy of it and he came back the next day and it was gone someone had oh stolen the novel and so he had to write it all over again and he said it came out better uh, and then the, the sort of the, the end of that story is several years later he got a call from a friend of his who said you know I think I saw something very familiar in a literary magazine. It was a play, but I think it looks very much like the book you wrote. And sure enough, it was a TA, a teaching assistant, who had stolen his book and was passing off parts of it as as his own. But the point of the story for me Mm. was that he rewrote the book from from memory, pretty much, and he thought it turned out better. So um, there might be a lesson in there for all of us about (laughs) rewriting. Yeah, there's definitely a book in there. And well, I, I can no see that. I hope nobody has a computer like mine. I write my book reviews and I put them on my notepad on my phone, which is staring at me, and then I put them on computer because they disappear. Seriously. Yeah, but, but 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 going back to your original point, which I yeah. find pretty astounding about the yeah. about you know the editor saying no, you got to write it all over again. Yeah, they wrote it over. Uh, yeah, he wrote it uh, over. I just I think most of us wouldn't do that, but uh, uh, because again, it's our book. But the closest that that I ever came to that is I wrote a book a few years ago, and a uh, an editor, a new editor, I got a new editor who I hadn't had before. And, uh, you know, without getting into a lot of detail, the basic premise of the book was the character battling alcoholism, you know, and uh, and this <coughs> played a huge role in the book. And uh, the, the woman was like, oh, no, you got to get rid of all the alcoholism stuff. And, you know, basically, like, like ripped apart, would have ripped apart the entire book. And I remember saying, I said, look, your idea for a book, might, it might be a good book, but it's not my book. That's not the book I'm writing. You know, I want to write the book that I'm writing. And I think most authors would respond like that. And, and by the way, uh, I was able to do that, and it came out, and it was published, and it, you know, it did fine. So, uh, you know, I, I think for an author to do that, there has to be... I'm, I, I just don't think I would ever do that, you know, like, like unless right. I really, really thought... That he was right or she was right and that the book was, right. you know, a pile of crap. Right. They won't publish it. What happens if the editor said that, you know, we're going to hand it in and we don't, you know, and this is a famous person, we won't publish it. I mean, the person well, can then always you, go you, to another then, publisher, then do, right? Well, then you do it yourself or you find another publisher. But just to, just to uh, off, yeah. take off the back of what Dick was saying, my last book with Thomas and Mercer was When Shadows Come. And, I, and again, they, they have a revolving door with editors, so you're always working with somebody new. And this was my ninth book with them. And I had, the book I had had been published before by another publisher, so they bought it out. But they wanted mm-hmm. to rework it, and so I worked with this one development, developmental editor who just shit on the manuscript, right? And mm-hmm. and I was still at that stage where I was like, all right, well, I'll do what you say, and I'll do, I'll do what you say. And it's the one book, it was just a disaster. And, 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 and it was the one book where I had fans of mine saying, like, dude, what are you doing? You totally lost me with this one. You know, and I was like, that's it. That is the last time I listened to a developmental editor. This is the book. Mm-hmm. If you like it, great. If you don't, you know, you know. Go somewhere else because I can still publish this book, and I I can't wait to get the rights back and do the and and uh, put out the original manuscript. I did. I should have learned. I actually learned this early on in writing school when when my very first book, The Innocent, 
um, my creative was my creative thesis, and my my professor at the time, my advisor, suggested a whole bunch of edits and things to take out, and I immediately put them back in when I got out of school, you know, and sold it, and, and a big deal. And so I should have learned, you know, right off the bat that uh, never trust a developmental editor for anything, <laughs> unless unless they really do come up with a good point. But you know, for the most part, you know, they're they're being paid to screw around your manuscript. That's what they're being paid for. That's scary. And they're, 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 not, they're not there to make, make it better. They're there just to do what they think they want to do it. So, Michael, uh, before, I forget, before I forget, <laughs> I didn't know that. this is going to be big on Thursday, mind. people. T.J. O'Connor is going to be here. We're going to talk about the Hemingway deception. I get the first interview, and I read it. And you want to meet his two characters? Those two characters will take you, you know, you don't want to mess with them, and they'll take care of things for you if you need it. On the twenty yeah, seventh, I've, I've read that. I've read that book too, Fran. And uh, um, what do you think? And uh, he and he, you no, know, it's it's. I've, I've read both of his his earlier stuff, earlier stuff too. It's no, it's it's really exciting international. It's the kind of international political intrigue stuff that I don't do, but is uh, you know real uh, political thriller stuff. But if people don't know T.J., he is like a fascinating character. It's kind of like Bruce Coffin writing about police stuff. Uh, T.J. Yeah. is like very involved in, in government anti-terrorist activity in real life. So he knows, I mean, I've done a couple of events, but he knows so much about that, and obviously he's able to put that in, in the book. So that's my he little doesn't. plug for T.J. Yeah, it's an excellent. <laughs> he does yeah, excellent it. Good and you have, to read, you have to read it because you don't want to start with those two girls. But actually, I could use them. No, to help me do no, something. no. He's got he's got two really tough female heroines in there. Yeah, they're really good. And on the twenty seventh, we have Derek McGavin and Sanders' agreement. And on the sixth of March, we have Vincent Andrews going to talk about the Moonlight series. On the eighth, yeah. we have Jeffrey Wells, and he's going to talk about Neverless. And on the first, I felt so bad I had to cancel last week for whatever reason, the Greenleaf Murders. And on the second, somebody I've never, ever spoken to, ever, invitation for mom. And she writes about how um, she was dating someone, and she got a, she wanted her mother to get hooked up, so she'd leave her alone and let her do what she wanted. Okay. So what, what I've noticed is that also um, nobody writes flashback, right? Do any of you write flashback, and thank God you don't put a journal uh, in it, and some of the authors lately have been putting like little outlines of of the plot in the plot. Do you do that at all? I don't. I do some <laughs> no. flashbacking now and then, but that's about it. Yeah. So I, what, I, what think do you, that's I, very, I don't do either. I find in reading other people's books that that's yeah. a real danger area um, unless somebody yeah. does it really well, especially if they're jumping back around in time and you're reading flashbacks mm-hmm. and you're reading present day. Yeah. Uh, Nobody I'm, wants it. I'm the same way. I'll do it. I'll do it occasionally. I suppose. I'll, I don't know if it's a flashback per se, but um, unless you do it well, it, it gets very. It, to me, it gets very confusing as a reader. Right. So I just finished I one that the, the author wrote now and then, now and then. And I go like, why don't you just stick to now because then doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, it gets confusing. Sounds like they're now. trying to be stylistic. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a stylistic thing for them. It, it, dep- it depends on if it blends in, if it makes sense. Sometimes the, the then makes no sense for the now, and it just doesn't fit. And it, sometimes the, the prologue is like, why did you write that? Because it has nothing to do with the rest of the book, as far as I can see. So, I mean, seriously, if you were going to create um, – a, a character that is totally out of your comfort zone or something different, what would you create besides the fact that Vincent creates everything and I have to, I, I get nervous when I read Moonlight, seriously. <laughs> he's he's my good. favorite. Yeah, he's, I, he's, he's, a, he's a whack job. No question about it. Well, that's why I like him because you could use somebody like that on your side. And, you know, they are, that's the other thing. Moonlight, Moonlight does what he wants, and uh, Corey Douglas does what he wants in um, in uh, David Rosenfeld's book. So, but all of these people that you know can sort of break the law, go over the law. They have a, a police officer that sort of like watches their back, and that that that's something yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So how do you do that? I mean, you get you get. And in your character in uh, Peter Fortunato, he sort of like did his own thing, didn't he? His own way. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I like but I think that if you start saying why, you know, if the reader starts saying why he, why did he do that, or or how, I don't he, care. Then then you haven't you haven't done a good job as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I right, I try, uh, you I try know, the minute you, to, minute you give someone a rule of something not to do, or mm-hmm. you give yourself a rule of something not to do, you'll read someone who does that and does it really well, and you realize that any rule can be broken if you're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. true. Do you ever find that somebody actually copies one of your characters in their book because your character is so strong? Has anybody ever tried to write a book? Yeah, I think report, every like every good writer is copying me. Yeah, every best stuff, Yeah, they're all copying me. Yeah, yeah. Right. and uh, I'm going to talk is. to my lawyer about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. great. I guess I better lawyer up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all, all you guys, Michael Connolly, you know, all those people—they're yeah. just—they're just ripping me off. Yeah, oh, my, Michael, Michael, Michael Michael Connolly has a Dick Belsky room in his basement. Yeah, like light candles and all that sort of shit. Yeah, we're the we're the leaders of uh, of the whole thing. We we set the tone yeah. for everybody else. Yeah, that's right. I we're the outsiders. So. I, see, I think that would be a problem. We would all like to book. have. Would, wouldn't Wouldn't you he like that? To, you know, guys. It's so sad. <laughs> what? Which one? Michael Connolly hasn't asked me to read any of his books, and that's so sad yeah. because you know he would benefit from my brilliance. I think somebody would anyway. You just you just you never want. know. And and the only other one they haven't interviewed was James Patterson, and yeah. he could he could definitely use my help. No, seriously. Well, you can you can always interview one of his writers. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. and it's not quite the same. And there you are know, certain questions when you interview one of his writers that they won't answer. Yeah, because they they have they have to sign this non-disclosure agreements. Yeah, they won't. They won't tell you who writes what, but you can figure it out if you, you know, like me, you're gonna know right, right away. Yeah. But I know. Ever, that's, I mean, my, that's my dream. That's my dream is is to have someone ask me to sign a, a non-disclosure. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I know I I've made it. But I would imagine Patterson has a list of writers who he tells his assistants not to go to, and I'm <laughs> probably on that list. Belsky's probably on that list. Salzburg, <laughs> yeah. Bruce. We're all probably on that list. Like, do not go to these guys. Yeah, because you, you know, know I don't, I, I don't know if either, any of you have been there, but I, I heard, you know, uh, James uh, Patterson was at a, I think a killer Nashville a few years ago, and when he talks about writing, it's not even, it's not so much as a writer. It's like almost like it's a business. You know, he he talks about right. he has his bulletin board and he's got every project he's got going on it and he's checking mm-hmm. on each one and. It's just interesting. It's just a whole different. It's not like sitting down and writing a book like, like we all do. I wonder who writes the book. Though. In other words, does he give the person the idea? Oh, I know. I know two murder? people. Brendan Dubois. Yeah, yeah. I have friends, Brendan Dubois right. and Jim Bourne. They both write right. for him, and they love yeah. it. I guess. But they. He pays what bothers well. me is that their face is like very small on the back cover. I once asked digging. Jim Bourne, I said, I said, Jim, what if you wake up one day and, and you've got a great idea for a book of your own? Don't, wouldn't you feel, he said, nope, I, I would do this the rest of my life. He, he was just in really? it, you know, it's, it was really? a payday, wow. absolutely. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. He said wow. uh, he's fine with writing with Patterson the rest of his life. Wow, that's well, really that's weird. personal choice, I guess. I wouldn't do it, but. Personal choice. I, I I heard once, and this was because my an agent of mine had like a had like there was something where he was looking for writers, and there was some initial contract. So I don't know this for a fact, but my understanding was that he um, that you write a chapter and then you turn that chapter in, and then it's okayed or not okayed, and you know it's very piecemeal like that, uh, and everything gets approval along the way. Again, there's nothing wrong in that, but it's not the way I write or we write. Yeah. Basically, yeah. it's not your voice, then it's his voice, then if he doesn't like what you wrote. But I guess your name right. is on the cover, writing with James Patterson, so that you know gives you another another thing. There are a lot of authors that write with other authors, and they prefer when it's only one person, you know, writing it, because then yeah. you, you begin I, I, to wonder whose idea it is, and then I could tell, oh, this this person didn't write it, this person's in this field, they must have written it. I could automatically right. tell. Right. I, I don't, I don't know. It's like copying someone's style of writing. 
and then they're, 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 you're handing in, in other words, you have to hand in each chapter, and then before you can write the next one, they have to approve the first one. That would drive me crazy. And yeah. Well, I, well I, I'm guessing that if you've written with him for a while, that probably mm. loosens up a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, mm. if he can yeah. trust you. Yeah. Right. So the the other person we just talked about there, friend Michael Conley, uh, this is yeah. something I've wondered about, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's like you know Michael Conley, in my view, is probably the greatest. To me, is the best mystery writer of the past twenty five, thirty years. I've read all his stuff. You know, I, I think. <laughs> you now, even when he's not at his best, he's still very good. And uh, mm-hmm. but now he's not. So he's not only puts out basically a book a year, but he's got. Four series. I mean, there's Bosch, there's the the spinoffs, there's the Lincoln Lawyer series, and he's very involved in all of them. I mean, you know, he's like an executive producer. Uh, they're based on his stories. I just like I'm fascinated by um, like how how he's still able to write the books when he's still dealing with all that. That's a that's a that's an awful lot on the play. He's incredibly you know, successful, Dick, and they're all very good. Yeah, but Dick, if anyone should understand it, it would be you because he's a newspaper man. That's, that's right. you know that's what they right. that's what you guys do. I say the that's same right. thing about you. Right. I don't know how you write two three books a year either. You know, yeah. so um, I, I think it's a different kind of that. That was your training. Yeah. Right. But Vince, you he, he, he really week. is a he really is a journalist. <laughs> he he was at something a few years ago, and he he actually said that to this day he still mm. thinks of himself as a journalist even though uh you know he hasn't done that for 30 years or whatever so i think i think right. you're right charles i think there's a lot of that he's got deadlines and he meets the deadlines you know absolutely yeah i mean yeah. that's what i learned as a magazine journalist if i didn't meet the deadline mm-hmm. i didn't get paid which meant i didn't eat and i didn't pay up the rent so you learn right. that and and that was your you know that's the way you made your living your whole life dick so um, yeah. you know i'm amazed at it but you know, it's amazing that you should say deadlines, and I, I don't get paid to do reviews, people, ever. And yet, I get emails from everybody, you're supposed to post that at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, don't forget. going to wait a minute. And I actually do get deadlines. I crack up laughing and go, two weeks ago, they said to me, it's 4 o'clock, it's 9 o'clock, how come you didn't post the review? I said, because I didn't feel like it, I'll do it in 10. I mean, really. <laughs> well, you know, Fran, I, I, I teach two writing classes, and everyone in those classes, mm-hmm. close to 30 people, they're all good writers, and if they don't have a class, they don't write. So, for instance, I don't teach during the summer, and you would think, oh, during the summer they'll write. Come yeah, back in the fall, no one's written anything. People need deadlines. Yeah. Most people need deadlines. Yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about me. I mean, I, I get the books and the post. This is what my biggest complaint. Book mail is like, I don't know where they are. Um, I got Patrick's book on Saturday, and somebody put it on the wrong mail table because of this nonsense that's happening in the world. They're not allowed to bring the books up upstairs, except when my friend from UPS Wiz brings them up when nobody knows that he does it because he does me a favor. And then I give him books to read. We trade. But... I mean, seriously, book mail is like, I've got 10 authors that said they sent the book and I never got them. And I don't even know how to deal with that. And they call the post office and they go, well, they don't, we don't have it back here. So those deadlines, well, I can only do what I could do, yeah. I mean, I know that I have to, I posted uh, Mark Reedy's book, which came out today. Tomorrow comes out. I did it yesterday, just so I wouldn't forget. <laughs> they wouldn't tell me I didn't remember to call my post burner. And all the rest of them. I posted a whole bunch this week. Because, you know, when it rains, you get bored. And you like to write. Right. So, what would, if somebody is just starting out as a writer. And then I want uh, Charles to tell us about his new series. And Bruce about his new everything that's that's happening. And everybody's new stuff, new thing. If you were telling a, a person that's starting out, what would you suggest that they do? Just sit down and write, pick a character, or just... Do your own thing and not worry about it. Well, I think every writer—I mean, I'll try and I think every new writer should sit down and go through. I mean, this is the cliche, but like go through the at ten thousand hours of just writing pure crap mm-hmm. until you finally you finally hone your style and and you finally understand what's what's good and what's not good and what's you know, what passes muster and what doesn't. And the closer you can get to writing a really good, clean first draft, 
that's what that's what you're shooting for. I, I would say anyway. Um, but it takes it takes a lot of hours before you can before you you know before you can really uh, you know it's like it's like chipping away at at, at a block of marble with a feather you know and uh, well, do you, decide and you really that have by to have yourself? that dedication. You, you got to have that by yourself whether it's good or do you ask somebody else to read it because sometimes people could be really mean and just say oh I hate that book. Just to be well, mean. I think in the Not beginning, I think it, yeah, in the beginning, I think you definitely need people's feedback for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think when, by the time you get to be all our, all the authors on this panel, by the time you get to have our experience and where we're at now, um, I think you, you don't, you, you actually don't look for people's opinion. You know, you you know inside whether or not it's good. Well, don't um, you? Don't I would agree you, with uh, that. I agree. Don't you also? Yep. I was just going to say, don't you real quickly? Don't you also like like pick? I pick a few people whose opinion I do want, but not everybody. Mm. So uh, you know, I don't right. show it to my friends and have them say, "Oh, this next." Why should I listen sure. to them? But if mm-hmm. my agent tells me, and I trust my agent because she's read my stuff, I do listen. So um, I, I think it's important sometimes to listen to people, but they have to be people that you really believe uh, and trust in. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't ever yep. ask your family to read it. Trust me. No. That 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 no. was my first mistake when I did my very first one, and my sister my sister read my first book, and I wish she was here because she had a critical mind that made sense. But then when you ask people to read your book, sometimes does it? Oh, I didn't like it. It's not my kind of book. And then you can't get discouraged, right? Just like so, you didn't right. like it, yeah. so maybe somebody else will. I mean, yeah, my mother hates, then, my mother tells me she hates some of my stuff all the time. Vince sends a book and then I just finish it in an hour and then I write a review and I go did you really write that? I wrote that <laughs> I, I, I just want to go back to what Vincent said I, I think about the yeah. good clean draft is important and because I'm you know look we yeah. all write differently and I, I don't do that um, my goal and I tell people who want to write this is just get it down whatever it is just get it finished get a draft done uh, I try not to edit as I go along. I try just, you know, I sit down and write and I write, and then I, when it's done, then I go back. Because I just find that if I start uh, trying to get a clean draft or edit along the way, uh, I get bogged down. You know, I'll spend a week on Chapter 5, you know, and I don't want to do that. So we all do it differently, but um, yeah, my goal is good. not necessarily a clean draft, but a draft to have something to work with. And once I have right. that, then I can go on to the next step. I, I agree with you, but once I write it, I just say it to my editor, and I go, you fix it, don't bother me. And don't tell yeah. me what these hypos That's I have, you fix that too. That's <laughs> Uh, I think is is uh, finishing whatever it is they're yeah. working on. I think that's the hottest thing for any new writer um, mm. because the ideas are coming yeah. at you fast and furious. But if you don't learn the number one lesson, which is actually finishing what you start, yeah. you'll never be a novelist. You're right. That's so, right. Bruce, tell us about your new series and your new partner and what you do, what you're, what's coming up. So, And when am I getting it? I need something good to read, people. So I am – yeah. <laughs> So I am. I just finished the, the uh, first draft of a of a brand new novel, uh, tentatively titled The General's Gold, and I am co-writing with Lindy Walker for Severn River, mm. and uh, that will be the first of at least four novels in that series. Oh, and, nice! Uh, hopefully, they they want us to do like a rapid release, so we'll be writing a bunch of those before you see one. So hopefully, um, mm. that'll be out. That that one will be out next, uh, probably a year from now. I have to wait that long to read something good. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> Except Vincent. Vincent will keep me busy, and so will everybody else. Try, yep. Tell us about um, Man on the Run. And I'm part of your tour, by the way. Yes, I know. Um, Man on the Run. I, you know, I'm calling it a. It's not a. It's not a sequel, and it's not part of a series, but it, it's a continuation of Second Story Man. Because oh, I just started to think about um, what what happened to Francis Hoyt. When the other book mm-hmm. ends, so it's 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 really a standalone, but it has um, a familiar character in it, and and the other character is a or the one of the three characters is a a female um, pod, uh, true crime podcaster, because during the pandemic I got hooked on um, true crime podcasts, so um, so it's that that's what that book is, and that'll be out in mid-April. Oh, that's even cool. better. See. 
At least I'm getting something good finally in the mail. And Dick, when when am I getting something from you? And well, then... I'm I'm uh you know my 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 newest one, it's news to me, came out in October. That's the latest Claire Carlson, and and I just would point out that for some reason I'm not quite sure how long this will last for, but all the previous Claire Carsons are now selling like for 1.99 on Kindle on uh, Amazon. Oh, great! One of these special deals. So yeah. Anybody who wants to write the series, but I'm doing a thing which I guess sounds a little similar to what Bruce was talking about. Um, I've got another Claire coming out in, in, I think, early 2024, which I've just finished. But um, mm. I'm doing three books in a row with this thing they call the rapid release, which seems to be something that is very intriguing to people, which is basically to simul- almost simultaneously, either month by month or even together, to put out uh, all the books in a series. So I'm writing three thrillers for a company called Bookature, and they're all going to be released uh, around the same time in 2024. And I guess, Bruce, I guess the idea on this is that people don't want to wait a year to read the next book, so they'll read one what's book your, and then what's read your the gut, next. What, what, what's your gut instinct on that, um, Dick? Is it going to work or not? Uh, I my have a gut feeling instinct about was when, when I heard about it, I said to my agent, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, this is that's not, uh, that's you know. my gut instinct, too, is, <laughs> yeah. is you've got to give people time to, you know, to want the next book um, but well, it, it is also, a trend now it'll be interesting it, yeah it's also difficult to write and again bruce i don't know if you've had it so i'm dealing with the same character but in the book uh because they're coming out at the same time there's like no time gap so like presumably right. when she finishes one case she's then doing the second case but she's just finished the first case so that gets tricky too it's not like oh last year i solved this it's like last week or last month i solved mm-hmm. this so right. yeah I, I i my reaction is the same as yours but um you know like like with a lot of things it's the publishers make the rules and this is and they've been um this company uh, that i publish these for bookature they're very smart about a lot of publishing stuff and uh you know in the end i'm just like fine whatever you whatever you think is best so but it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting experiment well i'll take the experiment you can send them to me because you know once i finish your book i'll read the next one and the next oh, one absolutely. Next one. without a, without a doubt you see sometimes you just don't want to wait another another year so vince what, what am i getting from you that's going to keep me busy because like I have four inside and two are so-so, and the other two are, why are they doing this to me? <laughs> um, uh, I, I never know quiet, what's coming in the mail. Right. Quietly into the night, my first psychological thriller since Moonlight. Or no, no, my first psychological thriller since Paradox Light. A, a standalone. Is on, should be on the way, too. Um, but um, also, okay. yeah, we just finished Moonlight Runs. Moonlight Gets Schooled. Um, I'm just starting Moonlight Justice. Um, oh, goody. I got uh, the woman with two faces going. I got like, oh, and by the way, I have a brand new website, vinzandry.com. Vinzandry.com, it's a brand new website. I visited it, and it looks great. I, I've, oh, I've thanks so much. It. it looks great. Thanks. It even has a movie theater, um, <laughs> which I'm collecting all these old noir movies. Um, that are, you know, they're free on YouTube. You just, you know, copy and paste, basically. But it'll have a movie theater, so, like, um, I'm pretty excited about that. And it also hooks up to my Writer's Life channel. And uh, so it's, it's a much Free popcorn, more, I hope. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got to make your own popcorn, but whatever. Yeah. You know, hey, Dick, I got a funny, Dick, I got a funny story. I sent Bookature, like, a note about a book I had going about a year ago. Right. And I and I got a form letter back from them, and I wrote back to them, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> and I never heard another word back. Well, you know, we all have our, you know, uh, they've been actually very, you know, it's just I guess who gets it or whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, it didn't, you know, it didn't matter. But it was yeah, just, and they're very, like, yeah, they're very me? women. Yeah, I I just like you know I found them. Uh, they're they're very much of an online publisher too, uh, which is fine yeah. with me. You know, uh, I mean, right. Fran sure. Fran has trouble reading them, but <laughs> but uh, I won't. I won't read it. As a matter of fact, I won't tell you what poor TJ had to do, and because I have a sense of humor, I didn't tell him what I had to do. He oh, sent me. His book is he an printed online. the book. That's a, yeah. No, he put he printed it out, and I forgot to tell him to put it in a folder. Because I I had to stay I stapled like twenty pages together, read them, then I had them in a put them in a folder, did it, then yeah. put them in a folder. Yes, 
Yes, he did. And I have a folder sitting next to me with about 500 pages in it staring at me. But I did read it. <laughs> but anyway, everybody, um, thank you so much. I can't wait to get Thanks, everybody's friend. new book. Thank you, and everybody. Thank you, friend. Yes, that's it. Thanks, I'm glad you're Thanks. better. Thanks, everybody. Uh, and I'm glad I got a reprieve because I don't have to do that till next week. I'm going to be brave on Tuesday, maybe. We'll see. But everybody have a great day. Thank you so much, and bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.